Christmas from Manx Radio. Merry Christmas for everyone at Moran's School. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Good afternoon. Welcome to Man in Line on Manx Radio. We're open line through till one o'clock. Penultimate Man in Line of 2023. So if you can get your Christmas jokes ready for tomorrow, that'd be great. Still uh, distressed city, really, on uh, Steam Packet at the moment. These forecast severe gale conditions. Cancel this morning, 7.30 to Hesham. Consequently, no return. Tonight, 7.45 is subject to possible disruption or cancellation. And we'll find out at half past five uh, this evening. So fingers crossed. And if you're waiting to get away or waiting to receive relatives or friends, well, what can we do but just sit and wait and wait and wait? We'll see. David's first with us today. Hi, David. Hi, Randy. Uh, two things. The Alamance Steam Pack Company and the Manx Industrial Relations Service. The clue is in both titles there. Why don't both organisations get together and settle their differences? And that's what the arbitration service is all about. I can't understand where the chief executive in this arm's length organisation now, the Alamance Steam Pack, which we pay for, where the taxpayers are involved in this, is why is the uh, the controlling influence there want to be so uh, aggressive towards the unions? In my way, from my opinion, looking from afar anyway, and being a trade unionist years ago there, the first thing you do is sit around the table and have a chat. So what do you think's behind this? I mean, we, the thing is that we, we hear one side, we hear the steam packet side, then we hear the union side, and as usual, the consumer's caught in the middle of all this. Yeah, and that's where the Manx Industrial Relations Service comes in and organises an arbitrator between the two. Because I think the union did say they'd love to go to binding arbitration, but the steam packet or the, the Manx company that the taxpayers own at arm's length won't engage. Now, we're the shareholders as such, aren't we, indirectly? Where the shareholders we benefit from the company, or we should do in the future. There, why don't we instruct the uh, the head guy to say, meet with the unions, have somebody there independent as an arbitrator, and sort things out? Or should we say, as uh, the consumers on the Isle of Man, the, or the government should say to them, Treasury, to say that the chief executive, we don't need you anymore. Your term is up. Well, obviously, when push comes to shove, you know, it is our lifeline. And, you know, when presumably the steam packet have got contingencies in place, obviously, we've got the arrow. 
Um, but I mean, we, when the when the big companies, when the supermarkets, and not least the fact that Tesco have bought nine Shoprite stores as well, so they're going to be heavily reliant on the steam packet. Not least all the other supermarkets and the big companies, the furniture people, and what have you, and the building companies who want stuff brought in. You know, this um, presumably the steam packet. I mean, obviously, as consumers, we don't know what's going on behind the behind the scenes. We don't know what contingencies are in place. Uh, we, we're all just hoping for the best. Yeah. Can I just slip another one in too? And all the best for the new year for, to yourself, Andy, because it's a great programme, whether people whinge at it or not. We need to get some steers next year on where we're going on our energy policies. And can I just ask the things that's hanging over from me is, what's happened with the Newsom site? Uh, the inspector's report, outstanding. No tick in the box there. What's happened to the other, all the other things that's happening in the Isle of Man? Where are we? Well, we'll (laughs) um, I mean, as far as the Newson site, uh, I am led to believe a decision has been made. That's not been made public yet. So they can't tell us. (laughs) uh, Well, nobody can say. And I understand that one of the people I think involved in either the heritage business or in the planning business. Uh, has now left post, so that's all changed as well. So uh, we'll see. We'll wait and we'll watch and we'll see. Uh, and uh, I know you're going to ask me about Manx Development Corporation. <laughs> Haven't heard anything. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I want, would love to know to find out what is their portfolio, how much asset value have they got in, in that particular arm's length company? Don't you think the problems we've got on the Isle of Man is when they made things arm's length? When the government used to be in control, we used to have a person on the uh, boards and used to say to them, what's going on here? Uh, Except Treasury now just say we're we're a shareholder, we're the probably major shareholder. But what is the uh, uh, Treasury Minister doing to shake these people up to say, we need things done in the Isle of Man. What's happening? Where's development? All right. Appreciate that, David. Thanks for calling. Cheers now. All the very best. Eddie's with us now. Hi, Eddie. Hi. You're right. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching. There's a there's a Stenoline boat sitting out in Douglas Bay at the moment, sitting out the gale at the moment. So they're probably listening to Man in Line today, thinking, "What's this?" <laughs> well, let's hope we give them some interesting then. Um, just to, uh, before I give you my topic today, uh, can I just go back to yesterday yeah. when I when I suggested four hundred thousand tons of concrete? Well, the truth is, uh, I've got some facts for you here for today, um, but that was just a, a blind figure. Who cares what the figure is? Because. The truth of the matter is that every uh, area has a different amount. But I've got some figures which say the minimum is about 60 wagons at 8 cubic metres, which is 500 tonnes for each pad. So you've got five of them, which is 2,500 tonnes of concrete. That's minimum. Right. So nobody knows. But what we do know also is that they've got to dig off all the uh, heathland for the for the roads. I mean, then they've got to dig off the heathland for the uh, pads themselves. So that that's a figure. Absolutely. Could be anything. But that was just to uh, brush over yesterday's. Today's topic is um, 
If the government agree, right, this this is dead concerning because I know there's an awful lot of people on the Isle of Man who are twitchers, bird watchers, ornithologists, whatever, uh, nature lovers, walking, you name it, whatever. The the birds that are going to be affected up there are astronomical. That area is renowned for the biggest concentration of uh, hen harriers. We've got buzzards up here, which I love watching every day. Red kite, kestrels, both types. Migratory birds in the winter, like field fares. It's huge flocks of them, field fair, red wing. Ducks, geese, you name it. I'm a member of the Bird Society over here, and last year I was given an invitation to go and see, prior to it opening next year, the new bird sanctuary at the Point of Air, the All Rights Tip. It's absolutely brilliant, honestly. Uh, we got we got shown round everything. The the main man there, Neil, is uh, I, I believe he's retiring this year, and a young lady taking over. But they they told us everything about it and everything, including, <laughs> would you believe, how much the the government have paid for all this to entice birds here, and yet the likes of Aries Dane, if they go ahead with that. It's going to kill birds. And just to give you some idea of how, ma- how many birds might be killed and whatever, it's not just birds, by the way, it's bats, everything. You know, every bit of wildlife you can mention. When I refer to the court case which has made them take them down in France, uh, one of the statements given there was that, that uh, the, the, they'd been monitoring these for quite a while and over one over a thousand birds have been killed including a golden eagle right are we going to sort of entice that sort of thing because there are so many people up here if if these things go up we'll be monitoring them and we will come up with probably the same statistics and and that's just more fodder for actually closing them down once they're up so, you know, again, it's emphasising that we're just going the wrong way. We're going to put them up to have them taken back down again. Well, you would presume that the people who are, mm, want to put the wind turbines up at Eristain, uh, they pro- they presumably know this because uh, damage to birds, because these things hit about 100 miles an hour at the uh, at the tip of the wind turbine when they're going, uh, which which will just flatten anything. Presumably they know, and presumably, well, I'm not saying they don't care, but let's say they've put it into the equation. Well, I think you were right when you said they don't care, because uh, just for instance, when they gave the presentation at um, the Russian primary school, they were saying things like there's no danger to the birds really in any, you know, massive form or anything like this. It might kill an odd few. The concrete might, it's not going to be bad. It's going to be this. I've already told you, no concrete at all. Just cutting some of the forest down created floods here. This is going to, it's going to create massive floods if they go ahead with this, Andy. It's just, it's just crazy, really. The whole thing. When, especially, you know, we get, you get daft things like the government spend millions and millions of pounds in Titan birds here with the new sanctuaries. 
Did you know that um, Derby Haven's a sanctuary? Yes, I do. Yeah, it yeah, is. Well, yeah. They're everywhere on the island, aren't they? But if we start putting wind turbines up, we're going to have no birds to come here. They're all going to uh, uh, give the nod to the other ones. Oh, don't go to the Isle Man. <laughs> the killer there. But, you know, it's just daft. Everything right. about Okay, all right. We appreciate that, Eddie. Thanks for calling thanks, today. Thanks, Andy. Good to hear from you. I want to go to Howard, who's with us now. Hi, Howard. Hello, Andy. No, just something that crossed my mind last night with the um, introduction of the Manxman and um, the uh, speech that they gave from the steam packet that they're going to dispose of the Ben and retain the Arrow. Uh, and I thought, and I said to my wife, I said, the thinking behind that probably was that um, they knew or they had an inkling that this ship was going to be problematic in the Irish Sea after it was designed and built and sailed back here because it came, what, over 10,000 miles through various seas. So they would have a good idea of the captain's reporting back to the the company. But... Um, they retained what I thought. I said to my wife, they're probably retaining the arrow simply because their contract with the government that they will be the lifeline and the food. And as you said many times on your program, passengers are just the cream on the top. The freight is the main money maker. And they're not interested in passengers to a degree. They're handy. Uh, but the freight is the main money earner. And, and, and they're only tied to to maintain passenger services through the user agreement. That's it. Exactly. They're tied to that. But there would be a hue and cry if um, they got rid of, and they know this, if they got rid of the arrow, and thank God we got it at the moment, but... Um, uh, what do you call it, if they weren't able to get food in. Because I can remember, and I said to Chris, the seamen strike in 1966, and that covered all of Britain, and the Isle of Man was included, bought the Maritime Union at the time on humata- <coughs> um, humanitarian um, reasons that a ship could sail to the Isle of Man for, you know, for bringing food in. Passengers were, well, they weren't. Uh, it was just the, the freight to come in with food. Now, is that the sort of thing that the steam packet are employing in their hierarchy within the offices? Because a lot of the people that's in there are desk captains. They've been through, they've been through college and everything else, and I bet you half a dozen of them haven't even been on a boat. Uh, but they're the ones that dictating the terms. And unfortunately, it's going to be to the demise of the company and the detriment of the island. So is this their thinking? Because I know the Ben is in Birkenhead at um, the moment. She's in uh, one of the shipyards there. And the Manannan was on the other side of the river on the, what I'll call the old link span. Uh, she was tied up there. But um, I see the Maxman hasn't gone this morning, but the Arrow has. Now, was this in the back of the minds of the the directors, etc., uh, once they realised that they'd bought 
a camel instead of a horse. I think, and I don't know, this may or may not be true, but apparently the, the journey from Korea to the Isle of Man was good weather all the way. So they didn't know how the Manxman would handle in high winds and rolling seas. That's right. Well, she's a metre less on her draft so than what the Ben is. But she's wider. And, um, of course, as um, I think it was Eddie said the other day, with all that freeboard that's on her, she's a bit like a, a cardboard box floating on water with no ballast. And um, she's virtually an unstable vessel. Um, some of the older hands will remember the Liberty ships built in America for the war. And after the war, Austin and Pickerskills in Sunderland built a replacement for it, and they called them SD-14s. That was Shelter Deck 14. But they were good, good vessels. They were ideal and sailed for many, many years. But the crews used to say they were so unstable because there was shallow draft and uh, that they'd roll on wet grass. And this is the problem we've got with the Manxman. She's shallow draft, wide and tall, which is not conducive to good shipping. Well, we uh, we wait and see as, uh, and again, uh, it bears restatement, the steam packet is not FOIable. We can't submit freedom of information requests to the steam packet company. So uh, we wait, we watch and we see, and we are caught in the middle of all this. And of yeah, course, well, now, since they got rid of the mail plane now and the boat's not gone, who knows what's happening to all the Christmas cards? That's a question that's going to be... Well, we've got a fraction of the cards that we usually get. Uh, we had no post yesterday through the letterbox. And, well, um, and we're waiting on a parcel that was posted over a week ago from the, from the Midlands. Uh, so what is happening to this? Are they prioritising the food to bring it in and the rest of the parcels? Because I know one company came to our door and they said there were 2,000 parcels short on their delivery lists. So what is happening to the steam packet? But one, one thing, um, can I ask, um, I don't know how you can do it or how it can be, but Bonzo, June, and, well, I suppose you could say myself included, it seems to be a point-scoring exercise now, and I noticed yesterday I actually turned it off because I was bored with it, and... There were slinging matches. They're trying to score points against each other, and it's becoming boring. Well, that's for them to uh, that's for them to decide, um, uh, Howard. I mean, people. Yeah. Uh, as I say, the only thing I insist on, and I do insist on it, is that everybody keeps a civil tongue in their head. Now, I appreciate if, that. If yeah. people want to. Uh, put uh, personal criticism well I think people understand that for what it is obviously if people want to make valid points and want to get their opinions across that's one thing mm. uh, personal but, insults we don't deal in here no I, I wholeheartedly agree with that and I think that's the right idea but um, there seems to be building up to coming to that point it's a focal point where they're naming names and calling each other liars um, various things misinformation and everything and it's it's going to spoil your program, Andy. But anyway, if I don't come on in the meantime, have a 
A Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you in the new year. Appreciate that, Howard. Thanks for calling today. Thanks, then. Take care. Good Bye to now. hear from you. Uh, incidentally, in the new year, uh, Lee Morris, who's the chief exec of Manx Wildlife Trust, is going to be on along with Lucy Chapman, who's what's called a Team Wilder. Um, they're on early in the new year, so it'll be interesting to talk to Lee Morris about wh- where Manx Wildlife Trust see the whole wildlife situation on the Isle of Man and, and what's going to happen uh, just where they see the future. It's been going since 1973. So the Manx Wildlife Trust are on early in the new year uh, to chat not least about the wallabies. Actually, uh, I know uh, uh, Lee Morris was actually in, in, interviewed on the ABC in Australia, the Austra- state broadcaster in Australia, in Canberra, uh, talking us. They're very, very excited about our wallabies on the Isle of Man. And it will be interesting to see what... I mean, that's just one thing, the fact that we have feral wallabies on the Isle of Man is just an interesting point as uh, Eddie was talking about this brand new bird sanctuary that's happening at the point of air. Our wildlife is really, really important to us and I guess most people don't notice it day to day but it's really important to the Isle of Man so early in the new year Lee Morris and Lucy Chapman from Manx Wildlife Trust will be talking lots of people including as we're halfway through this administration uh, you may have noticed in November Michelle Haywood and June Watterson were on uh, the Russian MHKs earlier on we had Tim Glover and Jason Morehouse from Arbury Castle Town and Maloo and every constituency will be represented the constituency MHKs will come in in pairs to talk about their constituency. In the new year, in January certainly, the middle MHKs, Stu Peters and Jane Paul Wilson will be on, Rob Callister and Julie Edge from Onken, Claire Barber and Joni Farragher representing Douglas East will be on, and every other constituency will be represented as we are halfway th- halfway through this administration. Doesn't time fly? Walk through the northern lights into a land of ice and snow at Ramsey Garden Centre. Indoor and outdoor lights, a magical range of real and artificial trees, decorations, gifts and much more. Christmas at Ramsey Garden Centre, Albert Road. I've bought all the Christmas presents, the freezer's stocked up and I've got the decorations out the loft. Sit down, my love. you like a cup of tea? Geoffrey, have you had a blow to the head? No, my dear. Tis the season of goodwill. I just wanted to show my appreciation. Oh, Geoffrey, I do love you. And I love you as well. Plus our new Spectrum windows. A happy Christmas to all our satisfied customers and new customers to come from Spectrum Windows. Oh, and Jeffrey and the Missus. Happy, happy Christmas, Christmas, everyone. The Millie Chaps Big Winter Sale starts on New Year's Day with fantastic bargains across every department, including beds, furniture, stressless accessories, flooring and more. Welcome back to the Millie Chaps Big Sale. Starts 11am on January 1st. Don't miss it. <laughs> Hello. I'd like to rent a car for three days. Just something reasonable. No problem at all. Uh, We've just got a few rules to make you aware of. You can't go off-island, you can't smile in the car, you can't take any friends, it's £10,000 a day, oh, and you'll need a million pound deposit up front. Any questions? Renting a car doesn't need to be so difficult or expensive. With prices from just £50 per day, speak to Rex Rental Company or book online at rexrental.im. Rex Rentals. I'm so glad to hear that. Welcome to the Ramsey Park Hotel, where there's always a warm welcome and something to enjoy. Celebrate Burns Night on Thursday the 25th of January with three-course traditional Burns menu, music, piper and dancing for only £49 per person. 
or make a night of it with overnight stay and breakfast included for only £169 per couple. For more news on food offers and events, call 818-123 or visit the Ramsey Park Hotel on Facebook. As we head into the festive season, FCL of Man return to action this week, hoping to create some cheer ahead of Christmas. The Ravens welcome Colm to the bowl on Friday night, with the Ravens hoping to end the run of three straight home defeats. Join me, Rob Pritchard and Sam Palmer for FCL of Man versus Colm, taking place this Friday at the later time of 7.30pm. Manx Radio will be providing full live match commentary on our DAB and AM. 1368 channels. Live coverage of FC Isle of Man on Manx Radio is supported by Selton, investing in our community. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. And Julian's on now. Hi, Julian. Hi, Andy. Uh, yeah, I really feel for all the people and families caught up in this uh, sailing cancellation thing. It must be a nightmare, and I, my heart can only go out to them. It must be awful in both directions, whether they're trying to get here or get across, and, and all the people waiting for their prezies and things. Um, a few comments. Um, the Stena Hibernia that sat in Douglas Bay isn't due in Tahitian until 04.30 tomorrow morning, so it'd be interesting to see if that goes and if that actually gets in. Um, I know there's been a bit of argy-bargy down at the steam packet, which is understandable, although I suppose you, you, have, to, you have to put your... Have to sort of like put your anger to one side, I suppose. But I am a bit confused by the statement um, from Brian Thompson from the Steam Packet when he said, this is proper bad weather that will cancel any vessel. And the reason I'm confused is when you look on Vessel Finder and you see that the two sister ships to the Ben McCree, the Norbank and the Nor Bay, which are almost identical, just a few tens of feet longer to accommodate a little bit more cargo, um, they successfully navigated from Dublin to Liverpool and also from Cherbourg to Dublin today. As we're talking now, if you look on VesselFinder.com, the Stenner Adventurer is sailing from Dublin to Holyhead, and just in front of it is the Ulysses. The Stenner Edda is now going from Belfast to Birkenhead, so we can wave them on the way past. And at the same time that they left, and they're on the way, the Stenner Embler is going back to Belfast from Birkenhead. Um, the Stenner Estrid has just completed the trip from Holyhead to Dublin. So you've got to ask, what's the reason? And is it that it's Hesham? Is it the, as Howard was saying, about the size and the shape and the floating box shape of the Manxman? Is it the windage on the side of the vessel, which makes docking hazardous? Is it the hybrid propulsion system, either through the main propellers or the bow thrusters? Um, and if you actually ask anybody about towing boats or caravans, they always say that hybrids are not very useful for that because the transmissive power, because if you think about it, the Ben, for example, would have a direct drive shaft going straight to a clutch that then drives the propellers. But the Manxman will have, basically, the four engines are like generators that then charge up a battery and then you draw off the battery. So there will be some form of limitation to what you can drive. A bit like the difference between an electric hedge trimmer and a petrol one. And you can really go through heavy bracken and all sorts with a petrol one, whereas the electric one will stall. So it makes me wonder if there might be an issue with, you know, just the design of it. You would have thought, um, though, I mean, this is a, you know, a multi-million pound vessel. This has been designed, thought through, constructed. Somebody somewhere must have thought, must have, must have sort of projected what may happen in the future and thought about contingencies. This can't just be an accident. 
Well, I mean, I think I'm right in saying, I, I stand to be corrected, but say, for example, in Douglas Harbour, you've got a 135-metre turning circle maximum, and the, the maximum's 133 metres, so you've only got six foot seven to play with. So, you know, if you've got any kind of stability issues, you haven't got a lot to play with back and front, have you, when you're, when you're trying to swish it round there when it's getting into the harbour, although I suppose it could tie up on the outer one. Um, there's been mentioned that it's also trying to do some form of safety certification. But then I wonder why would you do safety certification with passengers on? You'd think you'd get that done. And as Howard correctly said, it's done thousands of miles to get here. So you'd think that they would have an idea. And I also wonder, if you had an emergency, I don't know, maybe you've got a narrow, you strike something when these new wind farms turn up and you've got a boat that's not quite as manoeuvrable as you'd hope. Um, Is there not an alternative harbour anywhere down the west coast of the UK or the northwest that it can go into? I mean... You know, everything's going in and out of Liverpool at the moment. I take it there is there is no way to get the um, cars and the people on and off if we were to just send the Manxman to Liverpool? No, I, I mean, the, what she used to use at 12 Keys at Birkenhead, the Stenner have changed the link span to fit their vessels now, and I think the link span that used to fit the Ben McCree doesn't fit the, uh, the Manxman. So we don't have an alternative emergency. It's a bit like an aeroplane. You know, you can always divert off. You know, they have to have a certain distance that they can divert off to an alternative. So you're a bit stucker then in the emergency. You've, you've got Asian or nothing. Uh, that It would appear so. Mm. Um, other quick one, um, the wind turbine things. I was just looking, just this is a quick one and then I'll go. Um, the Solano wind project in California was completed not too long ago. And they're using the same kind of turbines talked about at Erie Stain, 4.2 megawatt. Um, and of course, the soil structure, and there's a lot of things to think about. But um, they use somewhere between um, 1,500 to 2,000 tons of concrete, and not forgetting that you use between 1.5 and 1.8 tons of coking or metallurgical coal to make that. So you'll have to blow somewhere between two and a quarter and 3,600 tons of coal to make that concrete, which is then poured over 176 steel anchoring rods, which are each nine by seven feet, weighing 50 tons. The base is 72 feet in diameter. The nacelle, the hub, and the blades are around 650 tonnes. And, of course, you've got plastics and metals and copper and all kinds of things and balsa wood for the core of the blades and epoxies that we've talked about. Uh, The tower is uh, quite often in higher winds made from a hollow concrete uh, 500 feet high. Um, So... Five turbines would probably require a similar amount of concrete in the end as what would the displacement weight of the Manxman is. So if you were to sink the Manxman in Erie Stain, you'd probably get some idea as to how much weight in concrete that those five are going to take. I wonder whether they've um, worked out what the carbon footprint of the wind turbines will actually be. Well, they reckon in the end, when you take the realistic... Um, capacity factor that we've talked about which is realistically you're looking at best case scenario according to um, Orsted and the Crown Estate is 26% but that's across all the onshore ones Um, 
And then, of course, you've got to think, Erie Stain's probably not ideal. I was speaking to a very, very clever pilot who was telling me about um, how the planes avoid that area because you get um, terrain channeling where you end up with, you know, like the uh, the stacks, which is the valley at the halfway up the slot. That kind of fires inward and then reflects off um, Cronk near Relay, and you end up with the wind changing abruptly. Um, so you're probably going to end up with all kinds of um, issues with, um, you know, extra vibration with flutter on the blades rather than nice and smooth like you'd have in the sea. Not that I'm into uh, offshore wind turbines anyway, but the, the wind flow wouldn't be as smooth. And of course, the other the other last thing I was going to say about the concrete. Um, what about the roads? Because that's going to take rather a lot of concrete, I would imagine, because these things, I mean, each one of those blades is over 60 tonnes. Then you've got the very long, low loader. Um, and from what I can see, when a low loader with those sorts of weights passes over existing roads or runways, it's equivalent to about 10,000 cars worth of damage in terms of, you know, how much it's doing. And, of course, the you'll notice if you look at videos of them delivering these blades, the um, the wheels at the back especially can sort of turn 360 degrees. It's like a six-wheel bogey that can turn around. Um, so you imagine all the scrunching that you get, um, you know, whenever a heavy goods vehicle is turning, you can always hear the if it's on brickwork or if even if it's on concrete, you can hear that friction going. So it makes you wonder how much damage is going to be done that will have to be repaired with fossil fuel-based tarmac and all the rest of it by the time it's all done. So okay. there's quite a lot to think about. All right. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. Good to hear from you. And uh, Andy says, uh, hi there. Wind turbines and birds. Uh, cats kill 310, 311 times more birds. Now, is that a fact or is this your opinion? So if you want to protect birds, we should campaign to limit the number of cats. Or is that the law of false equivalence? And also, thank you to Jody who said, when is somebody going to start the Christmas tour of where the turbines will be? Why doesn't somebody do a walk so we can actually see where the wind... That's just what you want in this sort of weather, Jody. Thanks for that. Peter's on now. Sorry, Peter, you've been waiting for ages. That's all right. It's Peter Murkoff here. I've listened to a lot of very interesting uh, information. Um, I haven't rung about any of the issues, but I'm very grateful for what I've heard. I say absolutely amen to what Eddie said. That was where I came in at the beginning. Wholeheartedly agree with everything he said and the others about uh, the bird life. It's been on my mind for a very long time. And I often think about Denmark, where they've got a huge number of um, wind turbine things in the uh, in the sea there. And I've often wondered how many birds between Sweden and Denmark and so on have been slaughtered by those things. But what I rang about was actually about the season. We've come to Christmas. Uh, it doesn't get much of a mention nowadays. Um, I often wonder, you know, whether people are really entitled to um, take their holidays and call it Christmas when it, uh, they don't seem to recognize too much of what it's about. And that's what I've rung about. Every year, um, Christmas cards, they will show the wise men coming to the stable, and that is biblically wrong. They didn't come to the stable. They arrived at least two years later. Now, I'm so exercised about this that I've written a little booklet on it, which is called No, They Didn't. It corrects another thing. Um, 
that I find even Christian authors uh, get the um, interpretation of the biblical account wrong because um, they will insist that there was only one return to Nazareth from uh, Jerusalem because Luke 2.39 talks about Mary and Joseph going back to Nazareth. Matthew 2.23 talks about them going back to Nazareth and I've reviewed books where they will insist that that was one of the same return. And of course, it wasn't. The timeline's different. So what I'm saying is, I've written a little booklet on this. If anyone's interested to know how you read the incarnation accounts, and they are uh, perfectly logical and they follow up, they follow without any problem whatsoever if you read them in accordance with the timeline. Um, if they give me a ring, I'll send them a copy. There's no charge. I've been giving them out this Christmas. Um, my name's in the book, but I'll say it over air because I'm not bothered about um, people know what my telephone number is, six double one four eight three, And I will explain to them why it is that all of these tableaus and Christmas cards and everything else which show the wise men in the stable are completely biblically wrong and why it's very important because if if uh, we don't get that point right people who don't have any belief might very reasonably say well if they can't get about the incarnation right what else do they get wrong okay so it's six double one four eight three that's me so yeah. i mean you're messing with my head here and so the three magi did exist yes they did but um you see if i could just say extremely briefly where uh, folk go wrong is that they fail to understand that the account in Luke does not include any matter that's included in Matthew. The two are complementary. And you have to read both accounts together to get the full picture. Now, if you do that, then you won't go wrong. If you try and artificially make the account in Matthew tally with everything that's said in Luke, um, you'll go wrong. Um, I had a good, I've got a, had a good friend who was on the radio on a Christmas broadcast in Britain, and there were some unbelieving people there, and they immediately said to him, and he was taken off guard, um, the Bible um, contradicts itself, you know. It says in Matthew 2.23 that, the, that uh, they went back to Nazareth after going to Egypt. It says in Luke 2.39 they went back to Nazareth, which was obviously uh, very close to the time of Christ's birth. Um, that shows the Bible's wrong. No, it doesn't. What happened was that uh, they failed to understand that those are two separate returns. Unfortunately, the person who was on the radio talking about the gospel, he hadn't really given it much thought. And he was a bit thrown uh, when he had that suddenly landed on him on air. And that, again, was another incentive to me to write a booklet on this and uh, put people right, just in case ever they're on air and they get thrown by some question. Uh, I suppose it's rather unlikely because you don't get much about the real reason for Christmas uh, going out through radio nowadays. But that's why people like me ring in and Interesting. Bring it to the so what's the title of the booklet, Peter? It's called No, They Didn't. And I'll tell you what, I'll drop a copy up at Manx Radio uh, because when I rang the 
person who took my call said, oh, that's an interesting subject. I'll drop a copy off and then anyone who wants to read it can have a little look and see what, what I'm saying. It's just 12 pages long. I appreciate no that. All right. Thanks, Peter. OK, thanks. Bye-bye. Good to Bye-bye. hear from you. It's a quarter to one on Manx Radio now. Now, tell me we don't educate. Save over a third on festive centrepiece joints at ShopRite. An easy-to-carve turkey breast joint that's a delicious alternative to a whole bird. Now only £3 per pound. Or a succulent, unsmoked, boneless Danish gammon joint. Just £2.70 per pound. Roast, glaze or slow cook for a delicious crowd pleaser. How about a rind-on pork loin joint for the crispiest crackling at only £2.25 per pound. Can't make up your mind? Why not buy all three? Festive Meat Savers, now in at ShopRite. Is your first aid kit up to date and is it compliant? Here at St John Ambulance, we can help with our range of first aid kits for both home and workplace, starting at only £15. For an item as small as a plaster to life-saving equipment such as a defibrillator, St John Ambulance hold many items in stock. Just call 674 387 to discuss your needs or email info at sja.org.im. St. John Ambulance, here to help. Everyone's more conscious of energy usage nowadays. So Manx Utilities has begun installing smart meters for standard domestic customers island-wide. With our Smart Living app available too, you'll be in control of tracking and managing your energy. No need to contact us. We'll be in touch when we're ready to fit your smart meter. Visit the Smarter Living page at manxutilities.im. Manx Utilities, delivering a smarter future. Ride in to H&H Motorcycles. Hello, I'm Nathan Harrison. For motorcycle sales, service, repairs, tyres, suspension, including upgrades, or for long-term restorations, choose the team that builds race-winning bikes. H&H Motorcycles on South Key Industrial Estate, Douglas. Job done at H&H Motorcycles. H&H Motorcycles. Your bike couldn't be in better hands. This festive season on the Nation Station, the winning continues with Manx Radio's 12 Days of Christmas. Between now and Christmas Eve, we have a huge prize to give away every day. All you need to do is listen for your cue to call. Join us live on the air and answer a simple seasonal question. Manx Radio's 12 Days of Christmas. Brought to you by SpectrumWindows.im. Your chance to win this festive season. The Man in Line with Andy Went. And Wilfs on Hi Wilf. Hi, uh, um, now then. Uh, I, this is just something I heard a couple of days ago, and it came from a very good source. Now, if it's true, I think it'll be a wonderful idea. If it's not, it's what the Manxmere would, would say. If it's lies, I'm telling you, you said it was lies I was told. Um... Tesco has got so fed up with uh, the steam packet and what's going to happen and is the boat going to sail and all the rest of it, they're going to buy out Mezeron. Now, this, this is, is ski- what I heard. This is skeet at the moment. Is that right? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't call it skeet because it came from a very good source. Well, do you remember a few years ago when I think it was Tesco and I think it might have been Mezeron, uh, and other people involved tried that uh, alternative one. They had a, a crane, didn't they, down at Douglas that they were hauling stuff yes. off. <clears throat> yeah. But the thing is, you see, if they 
this would be a very good move if they would buy uh, on out, including the cranes and the boats and the lorries. They've got everything on site, and they've got their own dock. And I, I don't know when the uh, like bad weather. Mezeron seems to sail in any weather. So, if it comes up, it would be a wonderful thing for Ramsey if it comes off. And I hope it does. I hope it's true. All right, Wilf. Well, then we'll, we'll put that. That's Will Skeet for the day, but not perhaps not Skeet as well, because I know you're on the inside track. That's it. That's it. All right, Will. Thanks for calling. All right, all right. 11 minutes to one. I sent a card, says Texter 466, sent a card signed for Track and Trace on the 5th of December to the UK, still not been received. This situation just isn't good enough. We don't have a mail plane. Now, remember, in the Channel Islands, they paid. They paid for their own mail plane because we understand it was the Royal Mail that withdrew the mail plane to the Isle of Man. But we don't know how much it would cost. We don't know what was the shortfall, how much it was per, per, per day, per week, per month, per year, what the deal was. And we don't know how much we were short of to maintain a mail plane. But sure as anything, things, are, I mean, things aren't what they used to be with the, with the, with the mail now. And uh, for, I mean, if it's Christmas cards, that's, well, it's bad, but it's not life-threatening. But certainly for lots of our international businesses, our much-vaunted international business centre, getting mail on time is not a luxury. Often it's a prerequisite. And we know that some of the the urgent stuff will be taken off on scheduled aeroplanes. I think it's going via Logan Air. So some is sent. So... What's happening with the mail? Uh, well, I'll tell you what's happening. The price goes up 5p in the new... It'll be 85, not 80. But it's Christmas. These are Christmas cards. Did they not see this coming? Bonzo with us now. Hi, Bonzo. Hello. Yes, speaking of Christmas, uh, first Christmas joke. Yes? So, first Christmas joke is, uh, why are the three wise men from Yorkshire? Go on. Because they came from the East Riding. Thank you. Yes. I'm here all week, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> OK, um, I will just very b- briefly, before I want to talk about the steam packet just a little, um, you know, respond to Howard and uh, Eddie, etc. Um, well, I don't point score. What I do is I try and uh, put what are actual facts with um, what might be termed fake news or fake information, which has uh, just got credence by just being repeated. And yes, can be honestly, honestly held uh, you know, as, as, uh, as fact by other people, but it's not. So I, so I counter that. Um, I'm not interested in, in point scoring against individuals. I'm just interested in correcting. Uh, misinformation uh, that's all um, so going on from that uh, then to the steam packet I, I note that the new Stenner ships which are planned the, um, the Haitian Max ships uh, I've seen the artist's impressions of those and I note that they have very very little in the way of tall superstructure You've just got the bridge and you know, a little bit at the front, and then the rest of it is about the height of, oh, 
you know, the sort of second deck of the Manxman. So it's about... Uh, um, it's about uh, so the rest of the deck is about the height of about a quarter of a way up the Ben's funnel, by the looks of it. And so obviously some people have been thinking there about windage and going into the, the, uh, into the port in Haitian. And so, hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, you wonder about having uh, the Manxman with such big sides. Well, you, but, um, but again, I just come back, uh, Bonzo. Surely the people who commissioned this vessel and had the vessel designed, surely they knew she was going to sail between Douglas and Hesham. Surely they knew the Isle of Man has a sometimes a very strong prevailing southwesterly. Surely they knew all this. Mm, yes. So, uh, you know, I wonder how that, that was accounted for, whether they thought that the manoeuvring system with the thrusters, etc., might actually counteract that, because the problem is not, of course, not so much going from out of, you know, once you're out of Douglas Harbour, then going across to, the, you know, to uh, near Haitian, that's not the problem, it's getting in and out of the ports. And it was built, of course, to the, the, to the biggest size they could possibly do, in order to uh, maximise uh, maximise capacity and not have to alter the uh, the port infrastructure, um, but also with the stability problems, I seem to remember that the Ben had those and they they put a load of uh, concrete in its ballast, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I think that's that's probably uh, a thing that's going to happen with the Manxman. Um, but I mean, nowadays with computer modelling, etc., I would have thought, as you were saying, that um, you could have sorted these things out you know, during construction rather than actually you know, putting the putting the vessel in its operating environment and then going, oh, uh, yeah, that needs to be tweaked a bit, doesn't it? Um, but also, um, shock horror. I mean, I don't usually agree with David Quirk um, on many things, but I'm absolutely in agreement with him on this that. Um, the dispute between the uh, between the uh, seafarers and uh, steam packet simply must go to arbitration, uh, and especially now we're talking about all-out strikes. Okay. All right, Bonzo, it's good to hear from you. Thanks for calling. Okay, yeah, cheers, bye. All right, a note in from Dick, who uh, said, uh, uh, you uh, saw out the window this morning, oh, I saw out the window this morning, the Irish Seas, Irish Ferries, Ulysses Ferry, sailing from Dublin to Holyhead at five past eight, went out absolutely fine. Also, their return, WB Yates, left at 8.15 this morning, sailing from Holyhead to Dublin, and was okay to go as well. I guess Irish Sea Ferries use entirely different type of seawater to what the Manxman users. Would you think? We've asked the steam packet why really high-sided vessels, Irish ferries sail, uh, but the Manxman doesn't. I've got to say hi, by the way, to um, Sam Quilish and Elliot Moore and Amber Carriage. Uh, uh, some Manx firefighters raised more than £2,000 for I'll Listen and the Firefighters Charity, they undertook the Six Peaks Challenge, climbing the six highest peaks in the UK, Ireland and the Isle of Man over six days. Well done to Sam Elliott and Amber. Check was presented at the fire station last night. Apparently the Southern Pool is still in the dark. You can't swim with a candle on your head. And tomorrow, big show. It's going to be a biggie. Tomorrow's the last man in line of 2023. You've got to be there. Thanks to Chris Quirk on the phones today. W-I-N.
Ziel.